Now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the union label. That's the these rights governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the second hour of the Alan Nathan Show. I'm Karen Cataline, filling in for Alan today, and we're going to just jump right in to our very next guest. He is a conservative commentator, former Deputy Attorney General for the Commonwealth of Virginia, and author of Revolution, A Call, Revolution, ah, A Call to Turn Back the Lawless Left and Restore the Promise of America. His name is Kennerly Davis, and we have him right now. Hi, Ken. Thank you for joining us here on the Alan Nathan Show. Hello, Karen. Great to be with you. Well, good to have you, too. And uh, just real quick, Kennerly, is that kind of like a southern version of Ken Davis? Ken? (laughs) Well, uh, thanks for asking. Actually, it's uh, Scottish. Um, Oh. uh, Sometimes a uh, first name or middle name. Sometimes even a um, last name. I think there was a White House photographer during the Gerald Ford administration who was yeah. named David Tenner, David Tennerly, but it's Scottish. Well, how lovely. Thank you for answering that question. We're going to just uh, uh, move right along to a, quite a serious discussion, the ongoing banking crisis, which I know a lot of people are very worried about, caused by the collapse of Silicon Valley, is exposing the failures of liberally, liber, uh, liberal policy, according to you. Help us unpack this a little bit, the bailouts, the regulatory system, and how it affects everyday citizens who have bank accounts. Well, uh, there's a lot to unpack. I think a good place to start uh, is a great old saying from Warren Buffett, the famous investor. He said um, one time that only when the tide goes out do you learn who's been swimming naked. (laughs) Now, what he meant by that, what he meant by that was only when periods of easy money, unsustainable debt build-ups and asset bubbles, only when all that excess comes to an end uh, in a crash or uh, when the federal government, when the Fed raises interest rates, only when that comes to an end do we see who has been and not been investing wisely, managing risk properly, and governing properly, regulating properly. Now, We've we've been living in an artificial finance uh, financial world for uh, several years now, where the uh, where the Fed uh, suppressed interest rates uh, below what they would have been set by the free market, and the government uh, poured money into the economy uh, through deficit spending, and all of that built up tremendous 
excess and asset bubbles and irresponsible behavior uh, on on the part of a lot of investors and, and, and managers. But now when interest rates are going up um, and it has revealed real weaknesses in the bets and investments made uh, on the assumption that interest rates would stay low forever. Um, there were serious shortcomings in the management of a number of banks, including inadequate loan diversification and imprudent accumulation of unhedged interest rate risk. But, but they're not the only ones who have been shown to have been swimming naked. More significantly, and most significantly in a lot of ways for all of us, the recent bank failures and the panicky government bailouts have revealed the fundamental flaws that permeate bank regulation and the entire regulatory structure that progressives have erected over the years to manage the operation of banks and, and indeed every aspect of the American economy. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Well, the entire administrative state, when you think about it, rests on a lie, a single profoundly mistaken assumption. That is, and for progressives, it's an unshakable belief that somehow credentialed experts, social scientists, economists, modelers, and many more, experts with enough authority and resources can produce these vast structures of minutely detailed and finely calibrated systems of regulation that will protect us from everything, every risk that might confront us. Now, this, this elitist, arrogant mindset has produced a lot of damage in the last few years. During the pandemic, it produced the lockdowns um, that were driven by assumptions about <laughs> we remember how to stop the spread. Do you know that at one point, uh, Governor DeSantis contacted um, uh, Dr. Burks, who was the kind of partner of Fauci in all of this, and asked her if ever in the history of the country had anything been done like this to shut down the entire economy. Mm. And Burke said back to him, well, Governor, you know, we're kind of in the middle of a real-time science experiment. Yeah. Now, that is, that is the disastrous arrogance um, that, that, that lies behind the progressive regulatory approach to everything. In the area of finance, it produced the 2010 Dodd-Frank Banking Regulation Act. I hate to interrupt you, Ken, yeah. but, but with our short time, what I can just hear listeners asking is, I didn't make all these regulations. I didn't do this, and I feel like I'm on the receiving end. The little guy really is getting stomped on. What can you tell little depositors and people who 
really have their life savings in the bank and should they panic? What's your advice? I know you can't give real financial advice, but there are a lot of people that that didn't have anything to do with these horrible decisions, but now it seems like they're going to pay for these horrible decisions. Well, a lot of people have already pointed out what the uh, what the signal, unfortunate signal to uh, bank savers is uh, across the country, and it's bad for community banks uh, because Silicon um, Valley Bank, as we know, and the others, they all of their depositors have been bailed out, not just those under $250,000, which is the, um, um, the limit to an deposit insurance set by law. But uh, never mind the law uh, in a crisis, no matter how complicated the regulations are clear, the law, uh, the, then the government makes further mischief by doing whatever it seems necessary at the time. And here they bailed out all depositors, uh, including um, uh, those with deposits far in excess of $250,000. And there are a lot of speculation about why that was done, but um, uh, Silicon Valley Bank and others were politically well-connected, and and um, they were um, yeah. very much very, very much into the um, uh, progressive um, uh, po- policies and uh, practices of the day. But um, th- they are a mid-sized bank. So um, I think, and, and this, is, this is not my personal um, observation alone, the, the signal from the government seems to be, put, uh, if, if, if you want your deposits, especially if they're over $250,000 to be safe, you better put them in the right bank. What does that mean, the right bank, the bank they want you to put them in? Too does big that mean? to fail. Ah, I see. One, one well, is considered too big or too important or... Um, now, which bank is that or yeah. which banks are that? Hard to say. But yeah. that's the problem with that. Yeah, and you, you don't want to take the advice of the same people that told you 10 days to flatten the curve either. Uh, Kennerly Davis, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. we got to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk about, well, we'll talk about transgender terrorism. What is it? Is it legit? We'll be back on The Alan Nathan Show. I'm Karen Cataline on the Main Street Radio Network. Stay tuned. New research released to mark the International Day of Math reveals that math is the subject most American adults say they're afraid of, but it's also the subject they most want their children to be good at. So to help them support their children in building confidence with numbers, a new, fun and engaging computer game called Teach Your Monster Number Skills has hit the market. Junaid Mabeen is a math expert from Number Skills, and he says building your child's confidence from an early age is vital. Getting kids confident with numbers from a very young age is so important to their long-term success in mathematics. And the reason I use Teach Your Monster Number Skills with my own children is that it teaches them about numbers, about how creative and, and playful numbers can be. It's very fun and also educationally very powerful. You can download this great game today. Just search for Teach Your Monster Number Skills online. It's available on all desktop 
and mobile devices. Trust me, you won't regret it. This is sponsored by IBM. Job seekers, students, and career changers want to pursue roles in science, technology, engineering, and math, but aren't familiar with career options. At the same time, online training and digital credentials are emerging as a recognized pathway to opportunity. Misconceptions about the cost of training and what's required are often roadblocks to success. To tackle this and bring STEM education closer to underrepresented communities, IBM SkillsBuild is announcing 45 new educational partners. IBM SkillsBuild is a free education program focused on underrepresented communities in tech, helping all develop valuable new skills and access to career opportunities. Justina Nixon St. Till, IBM Chief Impact Officer. Technology training can have a transformational effect on a person's life. IBM is committed to raising awareness of the many roles that exist across industries in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. IBM Skills Build continues to grow with new partners around the world, working together to scale 30 million people by 2030. For more, skillsbuild.org. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jason Derulo. I love that music connects to people all over the country, but unfortunately, so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million kids struggle with hunger right here in America. And yet, every year, billions of pounds of surplus food in the U.S. go to waste instead of going to the children in need. Feeding America is working to change this. The Feeding America nationwide network of food banks rescues this surplus of food to help provide meals to families in virtually every community in the United States, including yours. But they just can't do this alone. Join me in the fight against hunger in America. For more information on what you can do to get involved, visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together we're feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. What is dedication? I am the father of a nine-year-old little girl and a six-year-old little boy. And I find fatherhood both relentlessly challenging and relentlessly rewarding. My daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much. From the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night and every moment in between, it really is so special. And boy, is it exhausting. One thing that I fear about being a parent is the future for my children. I think a parent's job is to protect our children, but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. But I'm also hopeful that the future holds a more inclusive and compassionate world for them. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back, everyone, to the Alan Nathan Show. I'm Karen Cataline, filling in for Alan today. And <clears throat> so much going on, very serious, profound subjects, life or death subjects. As a matter of fact, here to talk about the um, horror that led to a shooting in Nashville. Uh, we want to do it respectfully and carefully, but we also want to do it. Uh, here is George Carneal, frequent speaker at church conferences and has appeared on outlets such as the Christian Television Network, Janet Mefford Live, and WorldNet Daily. He's author from, of From Queer to Christ, My Journey into the Light. Uh, George Carneal joins us right now on The Ellen Nathan Show. 
Thank you, George. We appreciate your time. Thank you, Karen. Glad to be back. Uh, Good to have you. Let's, boy, you've got me curious about your book. This is your own story? Yes, it is. I spent 25 years in the lifestyle, and I just share how God brought me out of that life. I see. And um, I I, I would venture to say, we're not going to spend a huge amount of time on it, I would venture to say that the groups today that seem to be um, uh, either ignoring or even rewarding violence, that doesn't mean all everybody, uh, they don't think you're entitled to have that story or to think about or to even write about it. There's this this sense there's only one way to think about something, and if you disagree with me, you're trying to hurt me. It's kind of a twisted kind of paranoia. Um, uh, let's talk about what you think is going on there. Uh, we've seen uh, a, a trans day of vengeance. Most everyday people, they, they're just not on top of this stuff. They're just trying to live their lives and uh, hopefully live them in peace and in in privacy, talk about it if you would. Whatever you think is important for us to know. Well, Karen, as you know, I, let me be fair. Within the trans community, there really is a small remnant of people who've gone through some serious childhood trauma, and they do struggle with gender dysphoria, and they need our prayers, our empathy, our compassion. But by and large, the larger trans community. A lot of them are just jumping on the bandwagon because it's the thing to do. A lot of them are doing it because they're self-centered, they're narcissistic, egotistical, they're mentally ill. They really need uh, this. I guess it's, it's a way for them to get some attention that perhaps they haven't gotten in their childhood. I don't know what's going on with them, but it's laughable when they talk about how much they care about children, but they will turn around and they completely support murdering babies in, in the womb. They will rail and demand that you respect them, but they don't respect people of faith. And that's not just Christians. It's Jews and Muslims. Even on social media outlets where I see a lot of posts, there are even atheists who are now standing with people of faith. The people are outraged and fed up with the, a small majority or a small minority in a community that is shoving their beliefs down our throats. And if you don't, then you're accused of transphobic. What they're, The bigger point of what they are missing is this. We don't care what you do with your life. When you are 18, you're an adult, and what you decide to do is between you and God. However, we want the children left alone. We want you to stop grooming the children, going after the children, messing with the minds of the children. They should not be being taught things about anal and oral sex, masturbation, transgenderism, and homosexuality. They need to learn their ABCs and one, two, threes. Leave them alone and let them be children. But they can't get it through their thick heads. They think that if you in any way disagree with them, that you're hurting them. And it's just really kind of um, a passive aggressive. Um, oh, I'm a victim, and that's what they love. You know, everyone knows liberals love to be victims. It, it gets them through the day. So, how do you fight this insanity? I have no idea. Yeah. Well, um, I might add, I guess, and throw out there in the discussion that I see social contagions and uh, social rewards being given to perhaps the most gullible of people. Um, I, I don't know that I 
would blanketly blame people who, some of whom were taught when they were six, there is no boy and there is no girl. Uh, I want you to comment on that. And also that in fact, the gay community is if, and I can't stand this community stuff. It's all conformist collectivism, but there are a lot of people who happen to be gay who are standing up against uh, you know, mastectomies for nine-year-olds. They're standing up against pornography on grade school shelves being done in their name. Uh, drag queen story hours for five-year-olds. And, oh, if you disagree, you're a bad person. Uh, uh, talk about that, because uh, it sounds like you understand that that is happening. And doesn't it have to happen more that people stand up against this phenomenal groupthink? I'm grateful that there are so many gays and lesbians who are fair-minded and see what's going on. They are awake and they get it and they are fighting back against it. I think the agenda, which if they can, Karen, as you know, if you can just get in there and mess with the children's minds and start to groom them, as we older ones die off, these kids' minds will be so messed up that it will be even easier to indoctrinate the next generation and then the next generation. And we know the bigger goal is really about destroying the every, everything that God finds perfect and holy, especially when it comes to male and female, husband and wife, the family unit, and our roles in life. He has that defined, but they've chosen to see that as evil. And then everything that is evil and perverted according to God's word is now legalized, and it's promoted. It really is a, a bigger agenda behind this agenda, and they don't care how many lives they destroy in the process. Uh, it's just waiting for us older ones to die off, silence the Christians, the Muslims, and the Jews, and everyone else who stands against the agenda, try to destroy their lives. And it really is about dominance, control, and submission. And it's, and it's just – there are so many other things in play as well, but that is the end goal, is to, to destroy the lives of these children. And it's so sad and heartbreaking, but we can't seem to get these trans individuals to stop and listen to the detransitioners. And listen to them warning what the cross-sex hormones and the cross-sex surgeries have done to their lives and destroying them, how it has made things worse. It didn't change the problems. But they're so far gone and so hardened or so thick-headed, you can't even reason with these people, and it's just sad. Well, George, and what we're seeing is a flat-out mischaracterization of people like the like the state of Tennessee and and other legislation that has been put in place to protect minors, minors. And yet, remember what they did with Don't Say Gay. They totally misinterpreted it, and they're claiming that it is an attack on trans people if you want to protect minors. <laughs> you know, we pornography used to be something we protected kids from. Now, if you want to protect kids from pornography and maiming surgeries, you're out to get gays uh, or out to get Correct. transgender. It's it's really propaganda, but it's it's of the worst kind. George Carneal, thank you. Tell us real quick where people can find you if they want to learn more. At georgecarneal.com, C-A-R-N-E-A-L.com. Thank you. Very good. George, thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. We aim to give all kinds of voices to people, people who have all kinds of voices in this country, not just 
the standard narrative. Karen Cataline in for Alan Nathan. We'll be back after this. From NAACP Image Award-nominated author Elise Bryant comes a new rom-com about two teens who overcome misconnections and find their way to love. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling follows two people who seemingly have nothing in common, but after a year of chance encounters, begin to think the universe may be telling them something. Dungeons and Dragons-obsessed Reggie and emotionally bottled-up Delilah meet for the first time on New Year's Eve and again on Valentine's Day and on random occasions throughout the year. They're drawn to each other, though they are each too insecure to be their true selves. So what happens once they realize they've each fallen for a version of the other that doesn't really exist? Author Elise Bryant. This is a sweet and funny romantic story in which the characters learn to overcome their fears and discover who they truly are. I hope readers enjoy going along on this ride with Reggie and Delilah and maybe learn something about themselves along the way. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling is now available wherever books are sold. Spring is here, and there's no better time to try something new. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar and enjoy real Coke taste and zero sugar. Now available at participating Burger King restaurants. Try Coke Zero Sugar with your favorite food from Burger King. Satisfy your hunger and enjoy Coke Zero Sugar with a piping hot breakfast sandwich, like a sausage, egg, and cheese croissant. Sizzling sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted American cheese on a toasted croissant makes for a delicious breakfast to start your morning right. And don't forget the crispy hash browns. Or if the flame-grilled Whopper sandwich, BK Royal crispy chicken sandwich, or chicken fries are your fave, you are in luck. All Burger King menu items pair perfectly with an ice-cold Coke Zero Sugar. It's the perfect no-sugar sparkling beverage that goes great with everything. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar to enjoy spring your way at Burger King, where you rule. At participating U.S. Burger King restaurants, sponsored by Coca-Cola. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools... Suddenly, everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. 
If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome back, everyone, to <clears throat> the Alan Nathan Show. I'm Karen Cataline, filling in for Alan today. And uh, we're going to stay with this topic that we were speaking of the last segment. And it's proof positive that uh, there are a lot of opinions on this sort of thing, <clears throat> uh, specifically transgenders, transgender terrorism. Where is this coming from? And our next guest asks this provocative question that I guess, uh, horrifically, we are not supposed to ask. And that is, can toddlers actually be transgender? A gender clinic director says, yes. Uh, nobody had a public discussion about this, but our next guest is prepared to talk about it. She is a Canadian author, speaker, and journalist whose work has appeared in outlets such as LifeSite News and the Huffington Post. Her latest book, Bullies of Woke and Their Assault on Mental Health, is available now on Amazon and on NewEnglishReview.org. Her name is Diane Weber-Biederman, and we have her right now. Hi, Diane. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Karen. How are you? Good. Uh, so good to have you. So you've had the guts to ask a question that somehow very few people are asking. Uh, this was some, kind of the whole idea of this was sort of pushed down everyone's throats. And now we've we've totally graduated to, if you ask such a question, you're anti-trans. Uh, I, talk I, about this yeah. gender, clinic, gender clinic and what's going on there? What do we need to know? Boston's Children's Hospital. I, I, I thought they were a, a, a world-renowned hospital where you took care of sick people. Has uh, announced that some babies know they are transgender while in the womb. So, okay. So the people that are promoting transgender and this concept, do the children in the womb, the, the fetus in the womb, does the fetus know when it's being aborted then? Like, does it sense uh, it when the arms and legs are being cut off? I mean, the uh, same wait a minute. People, didn't didn't the same group, such a good point, didn't the same group say it was just a mass of cells? Yes. And, and yet now they're saying that the baby knows. The, yes. the problem is, is that this bunch 
doesn't really feel an obligation to be intellectually honest anyway, do they? No, no. I, you know, Karen, I've been trying to figure out how did we get to this place? How did we get to a place where parents who are supposed to care about their children now commit hate crimes against them? And I am calling them hate crimes. When you allow a child of three or four to decide, I'm not a girl, I'm a boy, and then you give them hormones when they're older, and then you say, sure, cut off your penis or let's get rid of your breasts, it's a hate crime against your child. Children have no idea what it means to be a boy or girl because normally we don't ask them. I don't remember my mother asking me, so you think you're a girl? Like, why would you ask that question? But what also gets me is all these left-wing organizations who promise all kinds of freedom have lost their minds. Let's talk about feminism. Remember a long time ago they said a woman can be anything she wants. She she shouldn't be uh, uh, only a mother, only a mother having children, because, you know, anyone can have kids. And she should be allowed Mm. to be whatever she wants. Uh-huh. Okay, so she could be a truck driver, she can be in any kind of construction, great. So now you look at a little girl, a little girl, and she's four years old. Karen, she's playing with trucks. Oh, my God, she's really a boy. I mean, yeah. follow yeah. that nonsense. You just said a girl can be anything she wants, but now you're saying there are gender roles. That's what's happened. You finished telling us a girl or a boy can do anything they want. A boy can be a hairdresser. A girl can be a hydro worker. Whatever you want. It's your choice. And now you're telling me that you can't. That if a girl plays with a truck, she must be a boy. And if a boy plays with a Barbie dollhouse, he must be a girl. Would you please make up your mind? Well, and, and they don't have to. (laughs) <laughs> they don't have to because they're the same people who who were champions of women's sports and now want men in women's sports. They're the same right. people who said, yeah, you can stay home and have a baby or not. And they can't identify that it is actually a female who has a baby. Now they're birthing persons. You know, they're birthing and chest feeding. That's my other uh, favorite one. Chest feeding. Chest? Yep. Chest, chest feeding. You yeah. mean not... Breast feeling no. chest feed. Yeah. What's wrong with the word breast now? Remember I, I when know. that same left said that a woman should be able to breastfeed anywhere in public she wanted? Now, yeah. I mean, yeah. it, the problem is, I think, and I want you to comment on this. I really yeah. do. Is that the the mental patients are in charge of the uh, the the mental ward? Right. I mean, they're the ones demanding these Mm -hmm. ideas and these ideas are are crazy making and preposterous. Right. So, yes, I'm a hospital chaplain, haven't been one for a while, but I graduated in the late 1990s at Toronto Hospital, which is one of the largest. I think it's the largest hospital in Canada. So we would be asked to go and visit people who were in the psychiatric ward. Some people went in voluntarily, but many others were committed. And I, this is the one thing I remember of all the patients. There were several men over the time that I was there who were committed to the hospital. That means they were forcibly put in there because they thought they were Jesus Christ. Now, I met them. They were lovely men. So I'm thinking to myself, what harm could someone who thinks they're Jesus Christ do in the world unless they thought they could walk on water and almost drown? 
But yeah. these people, because we all know you're not Jesus Christ, we've put you in here. But you're telling me that when a person even 17 or 18 says, you know, I'm born a girl, but I know I'm a boy, you're mm. telling me that that person, that idea should be honored? Why would you so, let... These are people that can't yeah. drink, they can't buy a gun, uh... I don't think they can vote yet, but they can get their breasts cut off because they don't feel like they're a girl. Well, and and there are many aspects of this, but part of it is the propaganda that mischaracterizes what, for example, the legislation that this this psychotic killer took issue with. And that is that, excuse me, somehow if you make legislation to protect minors, mm-hmm. that means you're a threat to transgenders. How right. do we get from A to B? That, uh, this see, is a tactic, not a reality, yeah. isn't it? I, I don't understand that. Like when when we when when Harvey Milk, who's rolling over in his grave, finally made laws change that you wouldn't be taken to jail for being homosexual. Yeah. He never said, "I want I want to be in your face. I just want to be left alone and have my life like you have yours." Now, if you decide, first of all, you are mentally ill. I'm clearly stating, if you, if you do this, if you think you are, you're mentally ill. If your parents encourage it, they're child abusers. If doctors follow through, it's hate crimes. Mengele experimented on children. So the, the idea now that if you've become trans, somehow your life is in jeopardy and you have to go and get guns, now, are yeah. the people that are def- are supporting the trans people getting guns, are they the same people that are against the Second Amendment? <laughs> well, you know, then it comes back to the dual justice system where oh. uh, the laws apply. Well, this is crazy-making propaganda. <laughs> it's saying because we have the power, yeah. uh, we can impose upon you anything we want. And and I'd like you to comment on this whole notion of useful idiots because the people who are doing this to themselves, maiming themselves, becoming zombies, because mm-hmm. for whatever the reasons, they're being used too. I mean, the people who care about human beings of all ages are saying, wait a minute, first of all, think about what you're doing and make sure you're at the age of consent and somehow they're the bad guys. I know, and the prefrontal cortex of the brain that makes all these moral and uh, life-changing decisions doesn't complete till 25. No one knows the damage being done to all the different hormones we're shooting into the kids. For all we know, the, the transgender kids that are going crazy, it's from the drugs, when really they just needed to be told, you know, you might be confused because of all the messages out there, but let's wait and see. You can let's always cut your penis off see. when you're 30. Yeah. But you, yeah. you don't have to do it when you're 10. Yeah. I, I don't know. So I think it's what do we do parents. about what do we do about this level of propaganda? And we oh, gosh, I need you to make a quick comment and then uh, tell everybody they can find you online. OK, it's just overwhelming. I think you should <laughs> shut down social media. I think it's a contagion. And you can find me yeah. at Diane Biederman dot com. Thank you, Karen, and happy Easter to everybody. <laughs> Thank you, Diane Biederman. Diane. Uh, Weber Biederman, actually. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Gutsy lady. Why does it take guts to call things as you see them? You shouldn't have to have guts, but 
as the times we're living in. We got differences of opinion and ought to be okay. Karen Cataline filling in for Alan Nathan. We got one more guest for you. Don't go away. We'll be right back. The pandemic is just one factor that forced companies to rethink the way they conduct business. In addition to remote employees, companies are uploading more data to the cloud and workers are using a wide variety of apps and devices. As a result, businesses are more susceptible to security breaches than ever before. For 10 years, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud has helped businesses improve security and minimize vulnerability. Security continues to be a top concern for businesses. According to JumpCloud Vice President Eric Brown, organizations need to reconsider their approach. Identity is the new center of IT and the foundation around which all IT infrastructure should be built. That's where we at JumpCloud come in. We help companies and people make work happen with secure, frictionless access to the apps and data they need with an open directory platform designed for identity transformation. To learn how JumpCloud can help your business, visit jumpcloud.com. Vitamin B12 is important for supporting not only our metabolism, but also our energy levels. Our brain and our nerves need certain vitamins like B12 in order to function properly. Even if you're eating all the healthy foods like fruits and vegetables and getting you know great sources of protein, it's sometimes the case that you can become deficient in one or more nutrient, and that's where supplements can be helpful. So if you want to support your B12 levels, Jaro's Methyl B12 is a great supplement to consider to optimize your B12 levels. This type of B12 is recognized by the body, so it's delivered to your cells more efficiently. It's also been shown that it is a great way to make sure that you're getting a highly absorbed form of vitamin B12 and one that's gonna be retained better than other types of B12. You can learn more at jaro.com. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year. Remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes? Their age? The way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got, got his first, first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat? Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. 
People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans organization has provided more real-time, ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at pva.org. Welcome back, everyone, to the Alan Nathan Show. I'm Karen Catalina, and we're wrapping up this hour with one of our regulars here, John Jordan, CEO of Jordan Winery, lawyer and Fox News contributor. John Jordan joins us right now on the Alan Nathan Show. How you doing, happy John? To, happy to be here, Karen. Well, it's good to have you. You sound so cheerful. Uh, what do you got? Are you drinking some wine? Is that why you're cheerful? Because I need some. <laughs> no, no. On a Monday morning, I don't do that so much. But I have had a couple of Diet Pepsis. Oh, oh, oh well, that must be it. Um, I uh, We have you on to talk about something that we've been kind of talking about on and off uh, here today <clears throat> on this show. And that is the strategic use of propaganda. I have never... Never thought I'd see this in America. The most uniform strategic propaganda about what, not what's going on, but what we must think about it, what we ought to believe, what we are told we're supposed to uh, know about it, and a massive um, uh, uh, ignoring, (laughs) that's the right word, of any alternative facts or information, uh, stuff that I just, I can't believe we're watching. And I'm told you have some really interesting views on that. I do. I don't know if you knew, Karen, but I spent a lot of years in naval intelligence, and I speak um, numerous foreign languages and fluent in five, um, including some of our adversaries' languages. So one of the best ways, and if you go back to understanding how the communists in the Soviet Union, who really pioneered the were pioneers in propaganda, even before Joseph Goebbels and all of that, a guy by the name of Plekhanov in the 20s. Anyway, so what they do is they change language first. Language is a lens to which we see the world, and it shapes our understanding of facts. And if you go through, you know, Saul uh, Alinsky's uh, Rules for Radicals, it kind of hints broadly at this, even if it doesn't get into a lot of detail. So you think of what the left has done. For example, Nancy Pelosi, their code for tax increases is balance. 
um, what, what in fact is confiscating wealth? They say asking the wealthy to pay the fair share, even though there's no asking and they get to define fair share, but never really forced to commit to what that might mean. Um, they were Biden referring to anybody who disagrees with them as ultra-maga far-right, and the media obviously pair this. But when was the last time the media ever said far-left squad member like AOC or the person that shot Steve Scalise? No, what they do is they shift the goalposts in the language, try to reframe our understanding. So the things that even Democrats, if you look at what Trump does, Democrats, Politicians supported and did that, including Bill Clinton and even Barack Obama to some extent. So what they've done is, is shift the goalposts. So now if you're a centrist in the sense that, you know, in, in the 90s sense, you are a far right person now. So they change language um, to give to give dip, to, to manipulate time perceptions of time and space and not conforming with what's normal. And that's how they denormalize anything that is other than the leftist agenda. Hmm. And it, it gets even more diabolical if that is possible, because uh, let's just talk about the atrocity in Nashville, and there have been many, in which the, the actual narrative didn't really fit uh, with the narrative we keep being fed, which is Christians, conservatives, people of faith, they're the bad guys, they're the dangerous ones, <clears throat> and trans people, which is a whole other story, is our victims. Well, um, within 24 hours, they made that narrative uh, their go-to 24-7, repeated in the propaganda leftist media, which is now... Trans people are scared of Christians because somebody's going to attack them. And, and the propaganda is precisely the opposite. Don't focus on the people that were actually murdered. It, it's so transparent, and yet there are people who still can't see it. Uh, comment on this particular uh, kind of propaganda where they rush to make their side the victims, even um, though their side are perpetrators. Yeah. Well, the mechanism by which to do it, and that's what's really Americans need to understand is how is this done so they can assess when this is being done to them, regardless of the story of the day. Understanding that Democrats have a set of narratives, and their goal is to raise the power of the state decentralize the individual, the agency of the individual. That is the centerpiece of America. And they need, they're determined to destroy that. So Christianity, Christianity and people of faith will always be under fire because inherent in faith is a set of beliefs and a set of right and wrong and rights which are not given to you by the state, which means they cannot be taken away by the state. That's why they're always under, they'll always be under attack. The left will always seek to de-emphasize or cover up facts that aren't consistent with their sense of who the victim is, who the, aggr who the aggressor, and who the aggrieved are. So, you know, but everything is, is, is all about collectivism and change, reorienting people's sense of, I don't have God-given rights, or I don't have rights that are intrinsic to me, I only have that which the state gives me. That's where they want to be, and that's how they're trying to remake society. 
Yes, and there's also this, as we've been talking about, a kind of a nihilism that says, you know, you're better off <clears throat> if you kill yourself. You're be- um, uh, y- if you have a certain pigment to your skin, you're a perpetrator, you're evil, and you should uh, beat yourself up or allow others to do it simply because, I mean, it's, it's, it reminds me of that girl named Carter some moons ago who was sent to jail. She was 15 years old in which she talked a young man, a very vulnerable young man, into killing himself, told him he wasn't man enough to do it. Well, one day he did. And in that day, which wasn't that long ago, she did time for that. Uh, And it was a controversial case because, well, can someone talk someone else into suicide? These were teenagers, and now we've got a certain ideology saying, um, you're to blame for everything that's wrong. America's to blame. White people are to blame. Trump support, blah, 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 blah. And you should hate yourself uh, uh, too sweet. Boy, I went on too long. Final word very quickly, John Jordan. Well, the left is out to attack the agency and sanctity of the individual. I'm so sorry. We really do have to go. Uh, Jordan Winery, John Jordan, thank you so much for joining us. That wraps it for today in the Alan Nathan Show. I'm Karen Cataline. Keep on standing up and speaking out. The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.